0: This week the Philias moved, and Friday they got into their house in um, Normal, so they're they're doing well. And thank you all for those who um, <clears throat> were praying for them and helped move. Thank you, Honey Rock, for that team that was awesome. Um, and now I finally can take Niall's office and his bathroom, so <laughs> everything's good. All right. <clears throat> so um, today's today's a special day. It's the start of Advent, right? But it's also my wife's birthday, so. Yeah. Happy birthday, Cami! Right. But um, when when I think of Christmas, one of one of my favorite memories of Christmas is um, is we would always do presents um, with my, my dad's parents in Madison. We'd always go down on the twenty fourth of uh, December, and we would we would go and we'd um, we, we'd always get there like three or four in the afternoon, and then we'd have a meal. And, and as a kid, it was a little hard because, you know, you helped pack the car, so you knew all the presents were, like, in the car. And you drive all the way down there, and you're just looking. You're just staring at your presents the entire time, right? And you get there, and then you've got to wait and wait, and then you've got to eat a meal, and then, and then adults like to talk, evidently, and it just, you know, hours and hours of just sitting and waiting. But there was, there was always a sign that things were getting closer. My parents would say, all right, boys, so I have two brothers, Boys, you guys set the seats and set the presents out. So it was always this tradition for us to go out and we'd, we'd get all the presents that were under the tree. And um, my, my family likes to put, like, weird names on all their all their things. So you have to, like, translate them. So everyone has all these different, like, nicknames that are, like, developed every year. And they have to get topped every year. So they change. And it's just – it's this big thing. And it's fun, but it's like, what what is this? Whose is this? I have no idea. This, yeah. So we have to take them and put them all at their places and then finally, we'd get to open our presents, and it, it was always this like big time of of waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally you'd get them. And I want I want to talk about hope today, and, and I want you to think about that idea of expectation at Christmas, that that waiting for something bigger to come, because I think lots of times we read um, we read passages in in the Gospels that are talking about Christ coming, and we miss the expectation of the Jewish people. All right, From the beginning of time, God created man to be in a relationship with God. <clears throat> and and we, we lost that relationship because of sin, right? But there was a promise in Genesis 3 that was given while everything was being cursed from sin. And that promise was that one day there would be a savior. Oh, thank you, honey. Um <clears throat> so as we as Israel looked towards that day, they they knew that someone better was coming. So you have the whole time of Moses right, Egypt, Israel's enslaved in Egypt, and eventually Eventually, Israel gets their land, and once they get their land, they're, they're excited. We have our land, but they don't exactly start following God, right? They, they don't take out all the people in the land they were, they were supposed to. They took out some of them, but not all of them. And as that happens, they, at the end of that time in Israel, they, they look forward to a king, and a king is promised. And so Saul comes, right? But was Saul the right king? No, he wasn't the right king, because he wasn't there. He was perfect in human eyes, but he was rotten spiritually. So then we have King David, who was a great king spiritually, but there were some other things that were wrong with him. He wasn't he wasn't there yet, right? And then Solomon came, and with Solomon, the kingdom split. Um, it, it ends up that one part of the kingdom, ten tribes of Israel, they're all in the north, and they stop following God completely. And in the south, you have two tribes. You have Judah and you have Benjamin. And they follow God. Sometimes they don't follow God other times. And there are all these prophets that come, right? There's Elijah and there's Elisha and there's Isaiah. And all these prophets have the same message, all right? And here's the easy way to remember. Am I mic? Bob? Okay. Um, but um, the easy way to remember their message is shape up or ship out, all right? That's their message. If you guys don't start following God, you are not going to keep the land that God promised you. And so what ends up happening? They lose the land. The northern kingdom gets taken by Assyria, which Assyria were just the worst people. They were not nice people at all. And they get taken and they get scattered. So ten tribes of Israel are just gone. The two tribes that are left, they hang on for a little bit, but then another power comes in, the Babylonians, and the Babylonians take Israel, and they take the last two tribes, and they take them away from their homeland. They take them to Babylon. Now, you guys remember, there's, there's the story of um, Daniel in the lion's den. That happens. He's one of the ones that's taken from Judah, and he's taken to Babylon. He's one of these young men. And as he's taken, he prophesies again that there's going to be a Savior coming. Okay, Seventy years later, they are returned to their land through the Persians. And there's another couple of guys that are, that are big, that are important. Nehemiah and Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel rebuilds the temple. Nehemiah rebuilds the city. And again, they're waiting for them to have their own land. Because at the time, when they're, in, when they're in Israel, even though they're in their land, it's not theirs. Persia has them as a vassal state. So then you have the Greeks come in and the Romans. And there's all these different things that are happening. And during that time, after Zerubbabel and Ezra, when you get to the Old Testament, there's silence. 400 years of nothing. I mean, how long would you guys wait for a God to, to fulfill a promise? 400 years? I don't know if I would wait 400 years. But Israel keeps hoping. And during that time, a new system of, of religion inside of Judaism comes in that's the the um, synagogues and and Israel starts following God. They start listening to the law and doing all these things. So that's how you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And those 400 years of silence are finally broken. In Luke 1, they are finally broken. So if you'll turn there, we're going to start in verse um, verse 5. So I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. <clears throat> in the days of Herod king of Judah there was a priest named zechariah of the division of abijah and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was elizabeth they were both righteous in the sight of god walking blameless in all the commandments and requirements of the lord but they had no children because elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years This is verse 8. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Excuse me, Zecharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while you while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So Zacharias is, receives this this um, prophecy. He's, he's given this message that he's going to have a son. Now there are a couple other people that have... Um, wives that are barren, and they bear a son. And always when that happens, big things happen. Um, one of them would be Isaac. Um, so that's Abraham Abraham and Sarah's um, child. And then also in the Old Testament in Judges, the final judge, Samuel, his parents are. So when he gets this, this message, you know, I, I, always, I always think it's funny that angels tell... Um, People to not be afraid. You know, it's this big shining guy that you've never seen before. They're like, no, no, don't don't worry about all this. Just don't be afraid. It's all good. It's all good. It's fine. But if if I was if an angel gave me like this message, I don't I don't know what my first um first reaction would be, but I don't think it would be what Zechariah is. So verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, "How will I know?" This for certain, for I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So this glowing guy shows up, <clears throat> tells me that I'm going to have a kid, and the first thing I say is, Are you for real? This doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem right. You are? Nope. No way. But, but that's what happens. Um, the angel a- answers him and says to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had, been, he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remaining mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the day when he looked with favor upon me, to take away my disgrace among men. So we have to remember that in Jewish culture, if a family didn't bear children, it was was a stigma on them. They were disgraced. The assumption was that they had sinned. So For Elizabeth, it was kind of like, oh, and finally God is saying that I'm I'm doing something right, Um, which we know Jesus breaks that stereotype wide open over and over again throughout the Gospels. Um, During this same time, um, Gabriel (coughs) appears before Mary, who is a relative of Elizabeth's, and um, tells her that she's going to have a, a child as well, right? We know that that child is going to be Jesus, uh, Mary ends up visiting Elizabeth. This is verse 39. Mary and Elizabeth visit each other. And when Mary comes in, she's pregnant currently with, with Jesus. When she comes in, the, the child inside of Elizabeth jumps. And um, this, is, this is a cool thing because lots of times we, we don't really understand very much about the Holy Spirit, right? We don't exactly know how the Holy Spirit works. But it says that um, in the promise that the Holy Spirit will be with John the, the Elizabeth's baby, even in the womb. And this is a time when, when that's shown. Um, so this is verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among men, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So there were great things planned for John and in John's life as he became the forerunner for Jesus. Um, When John is born, they're not exactly sure what his name should be. Um, So the people are always asking what what should happen. But um, Zechariah finally gets his voice back um, at the end of chapter 1, verse 64. And at once his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosened, and he began to speak in praise of God. Fear came on all those living around around them, and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. So 400 years of silence, and a baby is born, and that baby is extraordinary, right? Zechariah praises God. He has this long praising that that ends chapter 1. And one of the things that he says in it, um, so this is verse 77, uh, or we'll start in 76, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. So, from the beginning, he's supposed to be the forerunner. He lives out in the desert. He doesn't live in with the rest of the community. He doesn't live in Judea, um, except, except in the wilderness. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting thing that he comes from the wilderness. Lots of times wilderness in Scripture is a symbol of bad things coming, but instead John lives out in the wilderness, and eventually when he does come, good things happen. Um, so a couple of things to take away from his birth. Number one, John's origins were just as humble as Christ's lots of times we think of Christ as the king right and at the same time he is born inside of he is born inside of a manger but John the prophet he lives in the desert and is born to parents that were priests but this man will be the great prophet of Christ um and number two Hope for the coming Messiah is, is, we also need to have that now. Christ is coming back again, and we need to have hope for that coming. John's life takes an interesting turn. When he's 30, he ends up going to the Jordan River and he starts baptizing people. Baptism is a new thing. It wasn't really done inside of Jewish culture. Um, but he, his message is to repent, to turn from their sins, and to, um, be baptized. <clears throat> Some of the people that he calls out while he does this are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herods. The Herods were they were a puppet government, so they were controlled by the Romans, but they lived and were in um, the Jewish community. There were a couple different ones, <clears throat> but they viewed themselves as Jews, but in reality they were Idumean, which is from the other side of the Middle East. So um, John calls them out, and the reason he calls them out is because one of the Herods takes his brother's wife as his own wife, um, which was not a Jewish thing to do. Um, So he calls him out, and uh, they get ticked at him and throw him in prison, and he languishes in prison for a number of years and eventually gets beheaded by the Herods. <laughs> but John lays the foundation for Christ. He preaches kind of the same message that Christ does and brings a really important message that they need to hear. Um, Jesus talks about John a couple times, but the one that really stands out is in the Gospel of Matthew, verse 11. Or chapter 11, sorry. And it is verse 11. And Jesus says this. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophet and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself it is Elijah who was to come. He who hear who he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So John the Baptist over and over again is compared to Elijah. And one of the cool things about John and Elijah is that their message both fell in times when the nation of Israel needed revival. They needed a new breath of life. Um, Elijah comes in a time of Ahab and Jezebel, who were not nice people at all. Um, And Elijah ends up pretty much destroying Baal worship inside of Israel for a generation. But um, Elijah never gets a full revival inside of the northern kingdom of Israel. Of the two kingdoms of Israel, there's the North Kingdom and the South, Southern Kingdom, right? The Northern Kingdom had 19 kings, and the Southern Kingdom had 20. Of those 19 kings, how many of them do you think were good? Zero were good. Of the 20 kings in the Southern Kingdom, eight were good. So Elijah, even though that he's a great man, he still doesn't get that full revival that he wanted. Um, John, in the same way, preaches to the Pharisees for a long time, but when Jesus comes in, he still has to say the same things. Um, so, I have three points for you to take away from John's life and, and, and everything else with him. Number one, speak the truth boldly. Lots of times, I think, around Christmas, we have lots of family members, and we don't necessarily like to... Uh, speak the truth boldly about christ um i think about um growing up with part of my family that wasn't christian um and i didn't really want to talk about christ but the reality is that i i I need to um so i think from john's example that we can we can do that even to people that are in power i mean i think about talking to the herods I, i think that would be a very awkward conversation um Number two, walk humbly before the Lord. When Jesus comes to, to John, the first thing John says is, well, first of all, John asks him to, or Jesus asks him to baptize him, and John's like, no, 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 you should be baptizing me. Even though that John is this great prophet, and he's supposed to be Elijah, um, he still says, no, no, you should be baptizing me. But John listens to him and does baptize him. And number three, be prepared for the Messiah, right? John's message was repent, 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 repent. And we need that today. All of us need that today. Look at ourselves. Look at where we're at. Christmas is a time that's a little bit focused on self, a little bit, right? And um, we we need to be focusing on other people. The message hasn't changed Um Christ is coming again, and we need to repent and be prepared for him. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close. Um, Cross training will be here in here at 1045. Junior and senior high Sunday school will also be up here. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day, and thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that John the Baptist came before him and prepared the way for the Messiah to come. We ask your blessing on this Christmas season. Help us to hope well, Lord. Help us to look forward to your coming, both um, as as the season's true purpose and also looking at the second coming of Christ, Lord. We thank you for our time together, Lord, and ask your blessing on the rest of this day.